The following announcements have been paid for by the sponsors of the Hameen Media Group. Hameen Media Group brand management is taking over. Social media, video, audio, design, marketing, and more. HMG Brand Management is proud to be partnered with Vince Russo's The Brand, Stevie Ray TV, Rip Rogers' FR Podcast, Goldilocks, Big Vito Brand, The A-Show starring Aaron Stevens and April Hunter, The Two-Man Power Trip, and now Angelina Love and Velvet Sky, The Beautiful People. Search for all of our HMG Brand Management partners on your favorite podcatchers, YouTube, and of course, Patreon. Support your favorite HMG ring veterans by visiting ProWrestlingTees.com, Dr. Man Beast Ted McNailer, Greek God Papadon, SCG Search from Big Sal, Chris Silvio, Stevie Richards, and of course the Ayatollah himself, Ben Hameen. Hey bro, wake up with the official Vince Russo coffee from Broaster's Coffee. Medium roasted Nicaraguan blend with chocolatey notes and a smooth finish that'll have you ready to go, bro. Available only at thebroasters.com. For a flavorful hashtag RBV fitness foodie experience, visit zorosoliveoil.com. Zordos Ultra Premium Extra Virgin Olive Oil is exclusively sourced from the Zordos family private 100-year-old olive groves in Greece. Taste the difference and visit zordosoliveoil.com today. StevieRichardsFitness.com For the most affordable and effective home workout program that'll give you results, real results. 12 and 16 week resistant band programs are available for instant download now at StevieRichardsFitness.com Russo'sBrand.com Where the pros are pros, bro. Get the most valid takes in wrestling from the pros who live it. Visit Russo'sBrand.com Subscribe to Hacker Hameen and Hameen Media Group on Podbeam.com and visit Patreon.com backslash Hameen Media Group. We now take you to your featured HMG presentation. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Klingons and Dorians, all other alien races in the Star Trek universe. It is me. I am not Commodore Zeros, but I am Cisco's number two because I just am Cisco's number two. I can't be Cisco's number one. That's Kira Norris. That's uh, Jay Reezy Men, who is my co-host here. He is the man. He is Cisco's boy. He's back. Uh, obviously enjoying life, loving life down in Weatherford, Texas. My friend, how are you today? Man, I am so good. It is, you know, good. Uh, what is it? Almost 70 degrees here. It is wonderful. I was able to do, it's the first day of spring. So I did my yard work, Very and nice. my, my, my yard all cleaned up and, uh, I got to watch some Star Trek because mm-hmm. someone gave me a. A homework assignment. So oh, yeah, I had to, you know. Yeah, you know, there's there's that. And uh, <laughs> you know, through this week, uh got ourselves a girlfriend. So, you know, 
um, I'm doing that. So life's congratulations, good. brother. Congratulations. You're thank you, my friend. You're, you're doing better than me right now. Still, well, still, still single on the market, but oh well. Well, you know, you got a little bit more to offer, so uh, nah, you got to find that right caliber woman. She, I you don't know that, about. You need that woman that's your caliber. <laughs> well, so. hopefully, uh, hopefully she might. Uh, she might beam down from a from 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 a planet soon. So yeah, well, you know, the interesting thing is, like, you know, I was talking with a friend of mine, and, and I just lean back. It's going to be, you know, everything will just happen, and like that's yeah. literally what happened. Just lean back, and you know, boom, out of nowhere, literally. Exactly. It was, yeah. it was, it was literally like an RKO, just out of nowhere, just boom, <laughs> you know, kind of thing that hits you. I yeah. mean, to the to the point we're making we we have a shared playlist already. Oh wow. Know? So we're sharing songs that we like. That's and awesome. making play. Yeah, no, it was funny. So like today it was like, hey, we have six hours of music already. I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. That's a nice road trip, you know? Yeah, that is rigorous. The Vulcan, the Vulcan nerve pinch out of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like and I told her about like going to, you know, maybe going to Japan to watch some New Japan Pro Wrestling. And she's like, okay. I'm like, Mark. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Mark. New Japan. Ah, don't give me that. Oh, okay. That says the guy. Bullshit. Says the guy drinking the Star Trek, uh, drinking liquid out of a Star Trek mug that he bought because I told you about it in a news story. Yeah, but don't but, even give me that. Yeah, but but I don't like that wrong style bullshit though. <laughs> oh, that's all right, that's bro, all right. bro. I'm all about this New Japan, bro, bro. Tanahaki <laughs> and o- Okada. Whatever it is, bro. <laughs> yeah, you don't know how, yeah. At least they know how to tell a story, unlike some people. Oh God! In WWE. Here, and here we go. Tell stories, okay? Uh, they're gonna they're, 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 they're gonna go on the outside. They're gonna do reverse hurricane on the concrete, and then wait a minute. Okada's dead. Oh no, he's alive! Oh my God! <laughs> uh, it's better than what SmackDown puts oh, out every week. I, I saw that, bro. I saw that. I was like, my God. Okay, so I was like. This is this is like the Star Trek Five of fucking wrestling matches. Okay, seriously, all of it, you know. And hey, by the way, I'm sorry to James Money MacGyver if anybody listened to the uh, Smack Attack already. Um, I kind of gave him a mild heart attack because I completely forgot that we were recording this Sunday, <laughs> and I told him that we had, and it was like, oh yeah, we dropped. He's like, what? Like, I think <laughs> I did. I'm like, did I get fired? <laughs> So I gotta already apologize to Money MacGyver because Money MacGyver, don't worry, we did not fire you. (laughs) No, no, but I did give him a mild heart attack, so I'm sorry for that. uh, Just because it was a busy week with work. Um, Yeah, but good stuff's happening with work too, so I can't complain about that. Uh, TV channels, radios, radio stations are what let him do his PSAs and TV shows, and so it's great. You know, just trying to keep all that. That's good. So it's good. It's good. He's gonna rib you. He he's gonna rib you really fucking hard. Okay. Oh well, I I don't care about that. I can take that. So I'm not I'm not really worried about it. Besides, he's fucking Scottish. Whatever. <laughs> well, listen, we've we have we have just absolutely stolen up. Let's get right to the news Let's because we got a lot of news in Star Trek here. For God's sake, we do. It's it's a always. It's always news with Star Trek. Yeah. Star Trek is always doing something. Always so doing something. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, blow the bosun's whistle for the news. So here we go. The whistle blows and there it goes. All right. So our first story today is uh, going to be, sorry, I need to pull it back up. 
Okay. Uh, there it is. All right. So our first story today, um, uh, this is an exclusive, uh, actually, okay. uh, to to what's been going on. Um, Nicholas Meyer, who you may know, the Wrath of Khan director and yes. also Star Trek VI, he has pitched a new Star Trek movie to Paramount. Oh, so, oh my know. God. Oh, my God. My prayers have been answered. Right. Thank God. Yeah. You know, so so that's the whole thing. Um, of course, we know last we talked about it last time that the uh, Kalinda Vaquez was a script from her from was was projected, but he mm-hmm. also has a um, you know a new pitch as well. Um, the interesting thing is when he when he first did Rathacon, he didn't know anything about Star Trek, apparently, no. and so um, and and so that's and then they brought him back for Star Trek Six. Told great stories, great. They directors. had to. They had to. They had to bring him back for Star Trek. Six. Yeah, I mean, because five was so awful, um, which we discovered. We talked about last. We week. We talked about it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and so, um, which is this is a great tie into last week because this guy, he he, after the motion picture, which didn't do so great, he did Wrath of Khan, really brought that movie franchise back from where it was. Um, you know, then he then he they brought him back again after five for six, which you know was really. Uh, a big deal. Of course, the last Star Trek movie we had was Nemesis, which nobody really liked to a great extent. It was not super great. Um, Terrible. You know, and uh, so why not call on the guy again? So, Mm -hmm. um, according to Meyer, his pitch was in the last year, and he hasn't heard back from Paramount, but he's not giving up on the idea. So, it appears right now that Emma Watts' story is moving forward with a new idea from Kalinda Vasquez, but it doesn't mean Paramount won't explore um, other ideas, and so mm-hmm. they they've kind of got this. Um, you know, it says as a matter of fact, the Paramount CEO uh, Jim Giannopoulos, hey, Greek, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, was mm-hmm. touting that the studio had two Star Trek films in development at the same time, and so could this be the other one that they're doing with Nicholas Meyer? I so, hope so. I you know, hope that'd so. be great. I'd love to see him do that. So, Triple D, we know Trip- Nicholas Meyer is sometimes considered the savior of Star mm-hmm. Trek in the film aspect. How do you feel about this guy getting an opportunity to maybe direct another Star Trek movie? About fucking time. I mean, seriously, it's like, why Why didn't you have him after Star Trek to have him direct? I mean... I get it. I get it. You wanted Nimoy to to direct the movies, which Nimoy did a great job. Right. He did a great job with three. He did a he did a really fantastic, superb job with four. Five, you know, because they wanted to keep Shatner happy to keep Shatner on the movie franchise. They had him direct five, which was an absolute car wreck. Six was fantastic with Nicholas with Nicholas Mayer directing it. Generations, well, Generations wasn't that bad. Don't get me wrong. It was okay. It was, okay. It, was a, it was an okay movie. But then, he, you know, after Generations, first contact, insurrection, and then Nemesis. So why didn't you bring him back to do Nemesis? Why didn't you bring him back to do maybe Insurrection or another movie? It's like, I mean, about time. It's like, come on. I mean, this this guy directed probably the greatest Star Trek movie ever. Star Trek Six, and he doesn't direct another movie since then. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. I mean, I get you know, I get you want to, you know, you want to leave him. You know, you want to leave at the highest point in your career. But after two movies, I mean, come on, he could have done a third or or a fourth movie. Yeah. I just hope, I just hope that Paramount doesn't go super, you know, fucking woke bullshit 
you know, crap, you know, where he delivers this absolute golden script and it's there yet. Yet he's a male and he's the wrong color. That's mm -hmm. what I hope does. They look at it and they're like, listen, this is the best script to make the most amount of money. Right. I hope they do that. And listen, nothing against, you know, what's her name? I'm sorry. Uh, Kayla. Uh, it was Emma Watts and Kayla Vasquez. Val okay. Val or Valquez. Or, I'm not Val sure. Okay. So no disrespect to Valquez or Watts who wrote for Discovery, correct? Correct. Okay. They don't, I mean, if now they're thinking about redoing basically the Kirk and Spock, that that whole, you know, redoing the, the, the original series, correct? Uh, they, they said they, well, I think they had talked about that originally way back, but I don't think this script has anything to do with that. Okay. So it's, it's going to be a fresh idea from my understanding. So, but I mean, but we're still having Kirk and Spock because you got to have, I mean, something we're going to, I mean, I, mean I, I don't know. I, I don't know how they're going to go about it because they haven't really, there's no been details leaked. So we just know that it's a fresh story. So oh, they, fresh story. okay. So from I my mean, understanding, they've abandoned the Kirk Spock thing because of, probably cost, forget everybody involved. So, um, you know, so this is supposed to be a fresh story. I don't, I don't, I don't, for the cost, it's like you have the money to do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, Chris Pine wants to do it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's not, it's not like, it's not yeah. like Chris Pine. Zachary Quinto wants to do it. I mean, it's not like Pine, it's like Pine and Quinto are holding off for more money. Right. You know I mean? You know, they're, they're not being like Stevie Richards here, you know, where they're holding off for more money, you know, they right. get a better spot, but yeah. <laughs> Nothing but love, Stevie. No, yeah. Nothing but love. But it's like, you know, these guys want to come back and, and they want to do it. You know, it's like, so let's bring them back. And for the love of God, please, okay, please, I, don't make don't make Kirk some transgender, you know, person. Or, I know, please, okay, can we, can we just stick? Can we just stick to the original plot? I mean, come on. All right, you know, because, because everyone, they want to reboot it. They want to get their fucking shit in on it. It's like enough is enough, okay? Stick to the fucking script, okay? Don't be like fucking Star Wars now, okay? Where Star Wars is just totally fucking just fucked over their fan base, okay? So let's not fuck over Star Trek's fan base, okay? Seriously. <laughs> fuck. I didn't know the first story was going to break Triple D already. <laughs> and that was not my intention at all. <laughs> It's been a rough, it's been a rough week. Okay, God, all right. <laughs> oh God, I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's go to our next story before you get an aneurysm or something. Which this one should make you a little feel a little better. Okay. So, uh, so this week, March 26, coming up, the city of Boston declares March 26 Leonard Nimoy Day in honor oh, of Star Trek. So uh, they have actually declared this up because he's he's from Boston, born there okay. in 1931. Uh, he often returned to the city and is known locally for his service in the community. Um, it would be it, that day would also be his 90th birthday if he were still wow. here. So the mayor of Boston found it appropriate to honor him. So uh, it said his daughter Julie posted the news on Twitter. Um, this was on March 19th, and she she shared a scan of the city's proclamation. On there, so if you go uh, onto Twitter and look and type in at J Julie ne uh, Nimoy, you'll see the actual proclamation uh, about Leonard Nimoy Day. And so, you know, it's really exciting that they're doing that, uh, that they would honor Leonard Nimoy like that. But also, you know, he was just a good man. Yeah, um, so, so Triple D, 
You got City of Boston saying March 26, 2021 is Lunar Nimoy Day. Uh, how how you feeling about this one? Uh, it's it's absolutely amazing. It's awesome that that you know Boston needs to do that because he is such a great man and what he contributed to uh, pop culture and society is uh, second to none. You know, and mm-hmm. plus two March 26. It's great because. March 25th, Greek Independence Day. You got the Greeks taking over Boston. Then March 26th, you got the Trekkies taking over Boston. Hey, mm-hmm. match made in heaven, baby. Yeah. Match made in heaven. There so, you go. You know, and, it, and it's good. It's good that Boston is, is honoring their, you know, their heroes. So Right. Right. I just hope, as, as once again, I just hope, I just hope that people don't fucking bitch and complain. Well, they're honoring a man. So right. I, just, I, I just don't want it. Shut, shut fuck up and enjoy Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, which I don't. I don't know of anybody who would really be like, uh, you know, because he's he was such a good person, and, and he was, yeah, and he did everything right. So I, I don't think that's going to be an issue at all. So, all right. So our next story we have. Um, so you know the Nickelodeon series Star Trek Prodigy, right? That mm-hmm. is this whole thing where Kate Mulgrew is coming back as Janeway uh, for that series. Uh, they did release some photos of the people who would be the bridge crew for that ship. Um, well, um, apparently the uh, Kevin and Dan Hagman, the brotherly duo who are responsible for that series, have signed a multi-year deal with CBS Studios. Oh wow! And so, um, so they'll they'll continue their work on Prodigy, uh, which is with Nickel- Nickelodeon, um, but they're going to be making new television content exclusively for CBS. Um, so they're also known for some of their for their writing and animation. Some of the other work includes the Lego Movie. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Netflix series Troll Hunters: Tales of Ar- Arcadia, and so they have actually earned a, an Emmy for outstanding writing in an animated program. Hmm. So these guys have are, are apparently done such a good thing that CBS like we want them to come on and be a part of it. And uh, because once again, this goes back to that directive that they said they were going to re- release a new show every quarter. Yeah. Um, not including the stuff that's already out, but they're going to add new things. So it says they did write, uh, they don't work exclusively in animation. They wrote a screenplay for the 2019 live action film, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which they're working on a sequel for that. And they're going to continue working on Prodigy, but they're really basically under CBS's employee from this point forward. So, um, all right. I know we haven't seen Prodigy yet, but Triple D, if someone gets some, how do you feel about this story? Will you given two guys like this, um, you know, a deal to write Star Trek and just be focused on that. How's that? How's that make you feel? American Dream. Yeah, you know, they work. They 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 work their asses off. And obviously, if you if you look at their body of work, Lego Movie, Troll Hunters. I mean, the I mean that that was big. You know, on on Netflix, especially Lego Movie. So it's like you two talented guys, and you and it's about time that. Star Trek start bringing in talented people in to do the writing for them. And, and we try to get back to the golden age of Trek where, you know, where you had like, you know, three TV shows and you had movies and it was Star Trek mania. So I am happy that CBS is, is giving these guys contracts and having them write for them. So, mm-hmm. and God bless them. And man, I hope they get as much money as, as they can get. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, obviously, you know, I think it's good when you have writers like this who are familiar. You want people who are familiar with your product. And so to lock somebody down like this, if they're writing, you know, Star Trek Prodigy, an animated series, obviously they have some knowledge of what's going on and they're telling a unique story, but they're doing it in such a way that 
the people who run Star Trek and Paramount and CBS Studios are like, hey, we got to keep these guys on board. They yeah. know our product. They know what we're doing. And that's just going to make for a, a better product in the long run. Mm -hmm. That's why, you know, I think Next Generation worked and Deep Space Nine worked so well because a lot of those writers stayed together. They were they didn't get shuffled off to other things yeah. or here. Uh, the core of the writers were there, Ronald D. Moore mm -hmm. and, and those guys writing, you know, the next generation just yeah. wrote some really great stories and they were able to work off each other. And the same with Ira Bear and, and the guys from Deep Space Nine. They I know, yeah. The uh, the uh, DS9 guys really stuck together and yeah and, and still to this day when when they did the uh, retrospective of uh, uh, a few years ago what we left behind how close they still are and how they like literally had a new idea to continue deep space nine mm -hmm. and i saw what they were coming up with and i'm like on the edge of my seat i'm like please please please, please <laughs> yeah right we produce this this looks so fucking good yeah so that's it. So it's like, you yeah. know, if you keep units cohesive and you keep them together, focusing on one thing, they're going to come up with absolute brilliant stuff. So Yeah, it really is. And so, you know, the uh, which uh, it's interesting you bring up what we left behind because that's our next story. Oh, look at that. See, well, look at you. Damn, I am on fire today, baby. You are on fire. Literally today. on fire. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the what we left behind um they had they had produced some of it, but they didn't get it completed, and they they intended to spend twenty twenty filming the twenty fifth anniversary of Voyager as okay. well. But um, uh, well, I'm sorry. Um, back in January, they had done the um, the same. It's the same company of who had done the what we left behind story. Yeah, this is for Voyager. Uh, okay. Sorry about that. Um, so this is for the Voyager documentary that they were going to do. Uh, the same people, four five five films, who did uh, the for the love of Spock and Deep Space Nine, the, mm -hmm. what we left behind. They were working on that, and they ended up putting it up on Indiegogo um, to reach, you know, a, a four four hundred thousand dollars to make their to make their budget right, Oofa. which they did in one day. Well, yeah, and, yeah, you know, and so. To, uh, fast forward two weeks and they're still going. They've added stretch goals. Um, so what they're saying is um, they're going to expand the film from 60 minutes to 90 minutes and licensing oh, wow. the original Star Trek Voyager through by Jerry Goldsmith. So Ooh, they've okay. now added stretch goals of $825,000 and $900,000 and a million. And um, they're going to say they're adding, they're going to aiming for a remastered Voyager footage in HD mm -hmm. and it says the top goal promises an exclusive, never before seen Voyager surprise. Um, you know, it says uh, it says goals eight through ten represent the creative intent of the production team and require the permission and support of Viacom CBS. Yeah, we are in yeah. active conversation with uh, Viacom CBS to, with specific details pending. So, Here's um, if, is if I, oh, I'm sorry, John. If Viacom oh. and CBS is smart, they would basically hire these guys. And say, listen, we'll buy the project off of you, but we get ninety percent of the of the cut. You can you can produce it. You'll right. get ten percent, but you know we'll take whatever not not ninety, but like sixty percent of it. Right. You know right. they can they can do the advertising. They can put it out there, which should help it out even more if they were smart. But if they were smart. If they were smart. But as we said before. You know, like we saw with Tony Khan going after somebody. With 800 followers, who's just just commenting on matches and 
he's having shit taken down. Obviously, big time companies like that, you know, they they they're gonna they're gonna rake the little guy over the coals as much as they can. That's the reason why their stretch go budgets up for a million dollars because how much because Viacom is gonna charge them a shit ton of money for, mm -hmm. for the freaking footage and then remaster it. It's yeah. a lot of money to do that. So yeah, you know, but they did say in the event the goals eight through ten cannot be completed, the funds obtained will be invested in other areas of the production. So okay. um, they're still they're still going to go forward with it, and and they're you know they've they've done a they've they've kind of killed it on what they're what they're doing so far on their stretch goals. And uh, if you want, so here's the thing: if you want to, you can go to Star Trek uh, Voyager documentary page on Indiegogo.com, and and if you like to contribute, and if you haven't yet. You can keep going. It ends at the end of March, so you have till March thirty first um, to go and help fund the Indiegogo campaign. If you want, you know, I'm not saying you are. So, like right now, according to one graphic I'm looking at here, they have reached their seven hundred and fifty k stretch goal. Wow! You know, so um, their their six hundred seventy five was licensed Voyager theme by Jerry Goldsmith. One sheet mosaic movie poster was their stretch goal seven at 750k. So, you know, so that is uh, where they're at with it. And it's really cool. They did it in the L cars kind of look too, which nice. is kind of neat. So, um, but yeah, if you want to be a part of that, if you want to help support this documentary, especially if you're a huge Voyager fan to see kind of what they did, you know, if you haven't seen what we left behind, Boy, that's a great documentary. Great so documentary. good. So great good. And good. even if you're so-so with Deep Space Nine, it'll really make you appreciate Deep Space Wait Nine. Minute. Who is so-so with Deep Space Nine? Who are Some people, people. Some people. I don't who know. Are, who are these people? They are not people that I want to associate yeah, myself I'm, with, but that's okay. Me neither. That's all right, because Deep Space Nine is the best as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But, you know. Um, but, yeah, so you can go and do that and Indiegogo, and you have till March 31st. So that is definitely – Worth checking out, if nothing else. So, all right. So, our next story it talks more about um, stories and documentaries. This time, though, it's in the in the wake of television. So, uh, so according to this, uh, there's going to be an eight part Trek docu series. Yes, from the Nacelle yes. Company is yes. produced by History Channel. I did see that. It's called the Center Seat: Fifty Five Years of Star Trek. Well, it says, we'll offer Trekkies behind-the-scenes look at pivotal moments in the franchise history. From its inception at Lucille Ball's production company, Desi Lu, through recent film and television adaptations. And so, um, you know, it's very interesting. So, the, 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 it says Brian Valk Weiss, which sounds like a mixture of a Vulcan and human name. Mm -hmm. uh, it says he's the Nacelle founder and CEO, and he, he said, from Star Trek, from before I was 10 years, years old, gave me the closest thing I have to a code to follow in life. And he says, if it wasn't for the words, I don't believe in no win scenario, I'd be virtually alone, broke, and miserable in this world. So to say this is a passion project would be a tremendous understatement. And he named wow. your company the Nacelle Company. I so, was going to say, hey, he names coming to the Nacelle Company. That's yeah, awesome. so it says, each of the series episodes will feature interviews with the cast, crew, and experts in the realm of Star Trek who will share fresh backstage stories and offer new insights into nice. the saga. In this respect, well, no stone will be left unturned. He better he he better interview the original cast soon because yes they're not getting any younger no no but it also says they will be even delve into the lesser known components of the franchise including the animated series and Phase Two oh so wow. okay so they're they're you know History Channel's put in for eight you know an eight part docu series on this and uh, you know I think it looks it sounds amazing Triple D what do you think yeah. about this I'm I'm stoked because. Uh, 
because you know the cell company got this TV deal. The horseman didn't, so sorry. <laughs> sorry, conspiracy <laughs> horseman. <laughs> Star Trek over strong on you guys. Uh, but I'm sure Stevie is still he's okay with it. Oh yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. I mean they, they, they should they should have Stevie in, in there. But um no, I'm I'm absolutely excited to see um see this. I mean to see a lot of behind the scenes and especially too to see the animated series because the animated series is uh it was I, I think did the animated series win an Emmy though for for oh that's a good question i think it did you know because filmation studios that produced it they did a lot of stuff filmation did they did he-man they did she-ra i think oh god what else did they do star trek uh, animated series i'm looking at that scene right here Um, yeah because i know uh lou scheimer he was the head of it he just Whatever off the wall idea they could do it, you know, he didn't. And I think he, I think he did the uh, the Marvel and DC stuff too. The, the mm-hmm. DC, the Adventures of Batman and like Super Friends and stuff like that. I think that was filmation as well. Mm. I don't. I'm not seeing anything about winning an Emmy. Okay, but you know, but I did hear your. Um, I did hear your your. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, Smoke detector go off. So. Oh yeah, no, my, so, so, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's. <laughs> no, you're good, man. Oh god, they always go off at the worst times. It's either in the middle of the night or right so in the middle of doing something unprofessional. Yeah, it is. It there, is there it is again. Yeah, it is what it is. That's I don't. Right. I have no. I, I don't know which one it is. I just got it. So yeah, that's all right. Up, it's gonna end up on, on unplugging them all. But uh, it's. Uh, I mean, I can't wait to see, especially phase two, because. Phase mm-hmm. two is what the motion picture was like based on. So right, you know, and that was that was supposed to be Gene's, you know, baby and you know everything else. So okay. Oh, I do see here. Lou Scheimer accepts the series only Emmy. Oh, okay. so it it did win an Emmy. I'm okay. just trying to. I can't see exactly where it was. Oh, when filmation submitted for Star Trek for the best children's series Emmy, uh, and they submitted an episode for it. So they they um, they won an award for. Um, for best children's series. Nice. So in 1974-75. So yeah, they did win an Emmy. So you were right. Um, okay. Found it. It says they did win an Emmy. So that's cool. So, yeah. you know, to me, I mean, I think that if nothing else, uh, you, you get to see the history of Star Trek in the mm-hmm. backstage. I think that's stuff that we like. Oh, no, yeah. It, it's, it's really interesting to see because you, you're, you're finding out how these things came to life. You know mm-hmm. what what it took to make it happen, and uh, if you don't have that curiosity, then uh, I get it. Some people don't, you know. But I mean, me having a, a movie and radio, TV, movie production degree, I love that aspect of it. I love exactly, watching the yeah. behind the scenes, the commentary with the producers or mm-hmm. actors, what they were going through and how they were feeling it and translating it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's those are all good stuff to me. So um, yeah. to have an eight part series and it's going to film and it's going to air on the History Channel, that's pretty big time. That is big time. You know, that is. It's going to so, be, I mean, Trek's going to be popular. I think really it's going really going to be popular, and that's going to help, you know, Paramount be like, yeah, we need to get our butts in gear and make these movies, like, really, really fast. Yeah. And capitalize on it. Exactly. So we got two more. Well, we got three more stories. Two are, are kind of similar. One, um, Star Trek's Discovery's Sonequa Martin-Green, she's being cast in the new Space Jam, A New Legacy with LeBron James. So, um, oh dear, oh dear God, oh my yes. God. Well, she's playing LeBron James' semi fictional wife, 
So um, her name her name in the movie is uh, Kamaya James, and she's supposed to be the semi-fictional wife of NBA player LeBron James. <laughs> so um, and she 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 talks about why she was eager. And so in the mid nineties, it was impossible to ignore the immensely popularity of Space Jam. And Space Jam had an all-star cast featuring some of basketball's greatest players. Mm-hmm. And she grew up in there where she loved Michael Jordan. And she says, I love Space Jam coming up. It was very special to me and a big deal in my household. So I've carried it with me. So um, she, when the opportunity to become part of the long-awaited sequel, uh, she couldn't believe it was actually going to happen. And once she realized it was moving forward, it was a lot to wrap your head around. Um, and so she was like, it was mind-blowing. So um, so. Uh, she's she's not sure how it's all going to work and everything, but you know she's just excited to be part of it. So um, it's supposed to come out July sixteenth of this year. Um, it's going to be on HBO Max and in theaters. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, so if you like Space Jam, you like Star Trek, you know she's going to be in there as the Le- LeBron James's wife. All right, Triple D, give me your thoughts on this. Uh, I mean, I. Just hope I, I I just hope that she doesn't kill uh, her character <laughs> on Discovery. Hope she doesn't fuck it up, man. Uh, that's that's it. But I mean, listen, good for her. I understand. You know, she grew up during. It's the same thing with me. I grew up. I I love Jordan and the Bulls and stuff. You know, even though I was a huge Knicks fan, uh, watched the Last Dance with with Jordan and how he used Space Jam to get back into shape and. He was putting a lot of the younger guys through the freaking paces, you know, on there, you know, playing pickup games. And even and even Reggie Miller is like, how is this guy is not human? He is not human. So uh, good for her. Uh, I hope she makes a lot of money doing it. But please, but please do not fuck up your character or burn him on Discovery. Please just just don't. Please. That's, right. that's all I hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it, 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 I mean, but at the same time too, let's be honest, we can, we can um, also separate our characters yes. from each other. Yes, we can. You know, so that, that shouldn't be that hard to do um, in all actuality. So, be, yeah. you know, um, okay. We're going to skip that next story because I realized it's an older story. And even though it didn't <laughs> look like it, um, about Sonika Martin being pregnant, but she's already had her child. So I went and double checked that. Mazel tov. Yeah. Hey, so she's got two children now, a boy and a girl, it looks like. So congrats to you, madam. Congrats. So the last story today that we have is this is interesting. This was this was uh, published three, three weeks ago, uh, and it says Avery F. Brooks, Captain Cisco. Is the first American African American to earn a master's of fine arts degree in acting wow. and directing from Rutgers. So Avery F. Brooks performed performs to critical acclaim the title role in Philip Hayes Dean's one man play about another distinguished Rutgers graduate, Paul Rob- Robeson, RC nineteen. Brooks has worked extensively with the Smithsonian Institution Program in Black American Culture. He was nominated for an American Cable Entertainment Award for his performance in Showtime's television production of Uncle Tom's Cabin. He has performed with the Shakespeare Theater Company, and he sang the title role in the American Music Theater Film Festival production of the Anthony Davis Opera X, The Life and Times of Malcolm X. Wow. He was also known for starring in television's Hawk on Spencer, which was a Mm -hmm. great role. I loved him in that. And for Hire, A Man Called Hawk, which was his own series. 
which he also produced. He also starred as Captain Sisko, the main character in the TV series Star Trek Deep Space Nine. His movies include the 1998 Academy Award-nominated American History X, mm -hmm. the 2001 action film 15 Minutes, which he co-starred with Robert De Niro. So, uh, yeah, I found this amazing that, you know, apparently he got a Master's of Fine Arts degree, and he's the first African-American to ever do that. Wow. So. Um, what an accomplishment! Yeah, and I mean, what an accomplishment! Seriously. If you outside of Star Trek, if you watch any of those other things, man, whew, he is an incredible actor. Oh yeah, know? he's yeah, he's absolutely uh, just. I mean, otherworldly. If you yeah. look at you, you look at like him and Patrick Stewart, and I mean, him and Patrick Stewart are probably two of the best fucking actors in the world. Oh, yeah. Unbelievably, yeah, talented up the ass, and you look what Avery Brooks has done like singing opera, it just then, then playing badass hawk, and then playing Captain Cisco and his portrayal of Cisco like how much meaning. Mm -hmm. And he'd be in when you think of Cisco, you think of Avery Brooks, there's like no other, there's only a person at all. You know, it's like you think of Kirk, you think of Shatner. When you think of Spock, you think of Nimoy. There's only one Cisco, yeah. and that's it. And that's him. And he is just all the rule. And I, and I am shocked that he is the first African American to graduate from Rutgers with that degree. Yeah, shocked. Yeah, absolutely and, shocked. And that was as of three weeks ago, too. So you know, um, you know, from everything I've read, it doesn't sound like it was an honorary degree that he worked for it and he got it, you yeah. know, so um, which is amazing because I think if I remember, he's in his like 60s right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, hey, hats off to you to going back to college, getting your master's yeah. degree and, uh, you know, in that subject, um, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you I, did you watch the captain's documentary where Chatner went around and talked to every. Yes. Captain? Yeah. Dude, I don't know if if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's a great documentary where Chatner goes around and talks to everybody who played Captain yeah. and Chris Pine. But his interaction with Avery Brooks, Avery Brooks is so just chill <laughs> and like just yeah. playing jazz and they're just talking. And I mean, yeah. it was so great to watch. And you know, um, I think we were, we talked about a, a while back about how they're talking about maybe bringing Bakula back for you know as a you know as a cameo or something along those lines mm -hmm. as Archer. It would be great to see Avery Brooks back oh, yeah. at Cisco. You know, maybe the Bajoran wormhole people, you know, the prophets bring him back to make bring a message or something to mm -hmm. one of the Star Trek series. Or how cool would that be? Because he could come back. Um, you know, they make their way to Bajor for some reason, and the wormhole's there, and he comes back and helps. You know, because I think they talked about in Discovery uh, in the future, Bajor is like a slave planet. And again, yeah, yeah like well, yeah. So it's like a. I think they mentioned it, like the Orions and the Emerald Chain have had it. Jesus as like, Christ! As like this, kind of like that planet where Book was at, where they went to go save him. Yeah, because so, they mentioned something similar, you know, about the you know take this over to the Bajoran sector or whatever. My my God! Okay, why do the guys shut on the Bajorans in Star Trek? Hey, dude, the Bajorans are just oof. they're but, so you know, peaceful, man. They just fucking just fucking stomp all over them. That'd be cool if he just showed back up as the emissary returning and. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. So, I don't know. It'd be great. Um, but that kind of leads us into our main point today. So, yes. hey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's buckle up. Let's uh, let's uh, sound the black alert. And let us get started with our main point today, which is... What do you think it is, 
triple D since I'm gonna let you introduce it because you're the one who came up with yeah, the idea this week. <laughs> it so. is it is probably one of the greatest, I mean the greatest um Deep Space Nine episodes ever. Probably one of the greatest Star Trek episodes ever. An episode that where nobody was wearing any makeup. Mm-mm. They weren't on a they were not on a space station. They weren't even in outer space. It was set in the 50s, and the show and this and the episode was called Far Beyond the Stars from season six, and it's episode 13. And That's this right. and this episode is where we go back in time, where Cisco and the rest of the crew are living in. I think they're living in New York. Yeah, the way the way it's projected is it's New York City it's, because it's in New York City. They, they've referenced they reference a few things about what yes. was going on in the city at the yeah. time. So it's New York City in the in the 1950s, and it's basically it's it's the basically the core group of these Space Nine. They work at a newspaper company. Oh, it's and, a it's a fictional um, oh, fiction, magazine. Fictional it's a science magazine. fiction. Science, science fiction mag- magazine. Geez, I am just messing this. I'm just that's okay. Here. Well, well, here's here's the thing. It starts with. Cisco at on Deep Space Nine. Yes, um, he had just lost one of his best friends um, uh, on a ship. Um, let's see, uh, the Cortez. Mm-hmm. Um, they were patrolling the Cardassian border, and the ship just disappeared. Um, and you know, they, you you come in with the Defiant, search the air for six hours, couldn't find any survivors. And um, the Cortez it was a you know had four hundred people on board, and his friend Captain Swafford was. You know, on there, and he's just really struggling because, like he said, I, I, I'm losing friends. I, uh, which we saw in the pale moonlight, which was another. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Discovery has some of the best episodes. Deep period. Space Nine. Deep Space Nine. I'm sorry. Yeah, Deep Space Deep Nine has some of the best episodes. Yeah. Ever. You know, of of just dealing with this morality and the struggle and the humanity mm-hmm. of it. And you know, it's like I introduced Swaffer to his wife, and like he's just struggling with it. And uh, he's talking with Kira and he's like, I don't know, maybe I should quit. You know, maybe I should let somebody else make the hard choices. And we see his dad show up the first time ever. Really. His dad has made a trip and he came out to Deep space nine mm-hmm. and um, he wanted to come see, you know, Cisco and Jake, mostly because when he's been talking to him, he says, you sound like you've been struggling, you know, and I just want to make sure you're okay. Just being a good dad, you know? And so, we see that, and as they're talking, he's going to leave. We he sees what well, we what we see is Odo, but not Odo, mm-hmm. dressed in like the 1950s fedora hat, glasses, mm-hmm. you know, double-breasted suit. Walks right by the the door into his office, going in the, by ops, and he walks out. He's like, "Who's that man?" And everybody's like, "What are you talking about?" You know, I have no idea. So, <laughs> you know, just weird thing. You know, we don't know what's happening. It's just kind of. Like, all right, no big deal. And then, so we, we cut to later, there's uh, um, more going on with this where he's in the hallway with Cassidy, um, who they, they're not married yet, but, mm-hmm. you know, he, who's uh, Cassidy Yates, if you don't know, she was uh, a human female captain. At one point, she had got caught running supplies for the Maquis, mm-hmm. and she spent some time in prison, but he still loved her. And even though he loved her, he turned her in when they found out what was going on. Um, but she came back and she was cool with it. He was cool with it. So they're back dating and, and everything along those lines. And he's talking with her about stay away from the Cardassian board. She's like, I don't, I don't even go near there. And she's like, well, <laughs> your ship's not, your freighter wouldn't be able to handle a Jemadar fighter. She's like, they got to catch me first. And she, he's like, well, 
you know, you're fearless. You, that's what you love about me is what she says. And he's like, yeah. And all of a sudden, we hear what sounds like Worf, but it's not Worf. It's a guy. It's it's Michael Dorn, but it's not Worf. He's in a giant New York Giants, 1950s New York Giants um, baseball outfit. And he's walking towards them and says, hey, Benny, did you see the game last night? Or did you hear about the game last night? And then he goes to a door that's near where I guess they were going for their habitat. Uh, or whatever you want to call it, their room. And he opens the door and he goes inside. And Cisco is just like, do you see that man? Who is that man? You know? And, and the fact that he couldn't recognize that it was Odo or it was, you know, Worf, you know, and he just goes, Oh man. Okay. Um, and then he goes to the door and he goes to kind of open up the door. And when he does, all of a sudden he's in 1950s New York, but he's in his, Still in his Starfleet <laughs> uniform, yeah. Yeah. right? And all of a sudden, he's looking around. There's no door out. He's mm -hmm. in the middle of the street. All of a sudden, a bunch of taxis are coming his way, and he gets run over by a taxi. And that's how the episode kind of starts. And then it goes to the intro, you know? And so mm -hmm. we see we see this going on. And uh, the next thing we know, uh, because people come from all around, you know, mostly white people. And they're like, oh, my gosh, is he okay? Somebody help this man. He's just <laughs> laying on the street, having been struck by a taxi. Yeah. And so he goes to the opening sequence. And the next time we see him is he's in uh, sickbay. Um, and Bashir is, you know, flashing light, doing whatever sensors or readings or whatever he needs to. And, uh, you know, from there we see all of a sudden that he, ha he had passed out. You know, so he's with Cassidy. Passed out, so Bashir is, you know, they're checking on him. And it comes to find out, you know, a year before, the prophets had visited him about having a vision about how to proceed with um, Bajor and how Bajor should go. But those visions were killing him. And they had to have surgery to stop the visions from happening, to, to save his life, essentially, because the prophets were essentially killing him with these visions of how they, he, they, want, they wanted him to tell Bajor how to go. And so all of a sudden, you know, Bashir's like, hey, look, your readings are like last year. You know, the, it's the same thing. We don't know. And, and Cassie says, is he going to have to have another surgery? She's like, I don't know. Uh, we're going to keep him here for observation. And um, when he does, you know, and, and, and he hands, you know, he's like, are you sure, doctor? Is this necessary? And he hands him the pad. And when he does, the pad all of a sudden looks like a serial novel from the 50s you know, called the galaxy. And, you know, it turns sideways and he turns it. And then all of a sudden, once again, he's in New York city, but he's in a suit now. He's got a fedora on, he's got glasses, suit and tie. And he's talking to what looks like Nog, but it's not Nog. It's Aaron Eisenberg as a newsboy who's at mm -hmm. the newsstand. And he's like, Hey, you're going to buy that. You know, now science fiction is not for me. I'm a war story guy. Like, you know, Burt Lancaster, he's got the, the machine gun. He's shooting zeros. Out, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, so, uh, and then we see, then we see Calmini, who's not Chief O'Brien. He's another guy who walks up, who he works with. So and they're calling him Benny. They're not calling him, you know. So he he's Benny in, in this in this episode. And you know, Chief O'Brien because he kind of stutters, a little bit absent-minded. He's looking for matches, and he hands it to him. And they're like, "All right, yeah, let's walk to work." And then we go to the you know the intro, and we see um, after the intro that. As you said, they are him, Colmini, and most of the bridge crew uh, are writers for 
a science fiction magazine uh, in the 50s. So back in the day, um, a lot of times you'd have magazines that were uh, specific to a subject. Yeah. So like science fiction and fantasy and war story and all those kind of things. And they had they had some pictures, but they were usually short stories and novel, you know, uh, novella type things that you could write and get and read a good story and have a good thing. So he's part of this group, which includes Bashir, who's a brown man who's married to Kira Norris, who's a woman, which, yeah. you know, at the time, no big deal uh, per se, but it's a little iffy because it's, it's yeah, really iffy. It's really iffy. And then you've got uh, Armin Zimmerman who plays Cork. Mm -hmm. um, he is there as a writer. Um, and then, like I said, call me as a writer. And I feel like I'm forgetting somebody who's a writer. Um, Odo is, uh, is Odo's Odo. the editor. He, he is the he's editor. the editor. So Odo's the editor. Um, and so you open in the scene in the office where you're seeing some of these people where they're talking about um, instant iced tea, where it's like it's got a picture of water and you put in this powder and then you mix it around and it's an iced tea. And of course, Bashir is playing this, you know, a, you know, stiff British gentleman. And he's like, White Rose Ready Tea. What an appalling concept, you know, because, <laughs> you know, he's British, so he's got to be super British. He's got the cigar with the filter on it, and, you know, he's married. In this, it, they're either married or have a relationship, him and Kira Norris, or her character anyway. And, um, you know, we see Armin Zimmerman's character, um, Herb, um, he's like, um, He's he's the social. I wouldn't. I don't want to call him social justice board, but he's the one who will call out everything. So like he's complaining about the donuts being stale. Him and uh, him and Odo, who's the uh, who's the editor, they're going at it like they would. So like they're playing some similar aspects of their character. Yeah, you know. But he's standing up for various things, and so but like donuts is like these donuts are stale. He's like, and Odo's like, oh, uh, I've eaten donuts all my life, and this is. Takes a bite out of one, at least six hours old, you know, <laughs> like two day old donuts. These are six hours old, you know, kind of thing. Um, and he's and he's so Cork, uh, Cork, the guy playing Cork is is like, I'm gonna go quit to go write for Galaxy, and they won't pay you four cents a word. And somebody's like, Wait, you're getting four cents a word? And uh, you know, and then, so things there, and it's like, Fine, if I bring fresh donuts tomorrow, will you stay? He goes, Yeah, fine, whatever, you know. Sure. So, they have this apparently it's a it's a daily battle type thing, but it's you still have that adverse, you know, relationship in there in that aspect. You have, you know, they're playing similar to their types. Like you find out Calmini's character, um, Chief O'Brien, he writes about robots because he likes them because they're efficient, you know, kind of thing, kind of playing to his mechanical engineering kind of a kind of background. So they're familiar in a sense, you know. But in this in this aspect too, Cisco doesn't isn't aware he's Cisco. You know, he's this person. He he lives it. He sees it, yeah. and that's who he is. And of course, we know that that they are writing for this magazine. They're doing all kinds of of you know they they get paid per word for their stories, and but they're on staff. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're the name of their magazine is called Incredible Tales, mm -hmm. um, and so. They are their goal is to write things. They work for a publisher named Mr. Stone, which we never see. But you know, some say that that was um, Stone from Section Thirty One. Oh, so there's some theories that say that's mm. in reference to um, you know the Section Thirty One character. 
Mm-hmm. So um, that the publisher, because we never see the publisher. You know, mm-hmm. we just know at one point Odo, the guy Odo, who's playing the character, is goes to the publisher at one point, and, and but we never see him. And so some are thinking that's Section Thirty One and their influence and how they guide things with the stories and everything like that. Definitely, um, yeah. You know, it's it's very interesting. So um, some interesting things so far. As we've seen, nobody's in costume. Nobody's in makeup. Um, this is the only episode in all Michael Dorn's 282 Star Trek episodes where we, he doesn't have to wear makeup. Or he's <laughs> just going to be himself. So we see him as the baseball player. We're going to see him later. Um, as a quick spoiler, it's not a big deal. It's not a big spoiler. But this is the only episode where he didn't have to wear makeup. Um, in this episode, two, we also know that we see... Uh, uh, who is it? Um, uh, we see. Oh, we see that. Um, uh, why am I blanking on the names? Um, uh, uh, oh, Armin Zimmerman and Renee Arjonas, who played Quark and Odo, they appear without makeup. Um, mm-hmm. And this is the only episode where, in, in Deep Space Nine, where they appeared. Yeah. Um, uh, for with that, um, we know um, Renee also appeared as Colonel West in Star Trek Six, which we talked about. Yes. That. And yeah. then he appeared on the Enterprise as a as a character called Conte Inzara on the episode Oasis. Yes, um, yes, yes. Aaron Eisenberg, Jeffrey Combs appear without makeup, um, but they also appear later in the series finale, What You Leave Behind, as Hollisweet guests at a farewell party. And then we also know that. Um, Renee Abrajonas, Armin Z- uh, Zimmerman, Call Meany appear in the episode, um, but their regular characters, Odo Cork and Miles O'Brien, do not, nor do Aaron Eisenberg or J.J. Hurlzer, who played Martok. You know, mm-hmm. so Nog, Martok, they're never in the episode as those characters, but they're in here as these 1950s characters. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, uh, it was, it's very interesting. So you're seeing all it's. You're kind of going, what's going on here? Like, what's yeah. the deal? You know, we do know that he's having visions and we're just watching this play out. And so um, what happens is, you know, um, the publisher, you know, writers are writing in They're, You know, that's what you did. You have these stories. Yeah. You write in, you publish letters. Well, a lot of writers are wanting to see who the writers are. So they're like, mm-hmm. okay, the next issue, we're going to publish a picture of all of our writers. And he tells Kira's character, nah. Uh, hey, by the way, you need to sleep in that day. And then Cisco's like, oh, well, I guess I need, to, <laughs> I need to sleep in too because they don't want people to know that they're not male and white. Yeah. And so we we begin to start to see the seeds of racism that are being planted mm-hmm. for this episode um, and the duality of it. You know, um, obviously the Odo as the producer is okay with working with these people. But he can't, at the same time, he's also balancing the, the fact that the, the publisher was like, nah, I'm not going to allow a picture of these kind of things happen. Yeah. Um, you know, so, um, you know, and it's interesting. So Martok comes in, or uh, J.G. Hurts, or he's the artist for the for the thing. And so what happens is, is they kind of do their stories based off of his, what sounds like fever dream. Fever dream <laughs> illustrations that comes in because he's like, I had a little extra sauerkraut for this one, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> so he he does these images, and then the writers say, Oh, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. I can write a story for this one. Well, mm-hmm. at one point, 
you know, he gives one, and Reese and Julian grab one, and Odo and Cork takes another one, and then um, there's one that looks like Deep Space Nine. Yeah, and 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 of course, Benny at that point goes, "Ooh, I can come up with something for that," and. It's like, oh, all right, cool. I and mean, we're like, okay, so this is Deep Space Nine. That it's a little off. It's it's it looks like something probably because it says United States Air Force on it. It has yeah. satellite dishes, but the general idea of Deep, Deep Space, Space Nine, Nine is there. Yeah. And so, and then you know, that's when they decided to tell them run the picture and we're gonna sleep in kind of thing. So um, and of course, then at this point, um, we see that Armin Zimmerman, he's like Oh, heaven forbid, forbid that we have a woman writer or you know a Negro writer run for the hills. It's the end of civilization. <laughs> and we see Cisco say, "What about W. E. Du Bois, Langston Hughes, Ralph Emerson, Richard Wright? You know all of these. Yeah. You know G. Vernier, Nader Son." And Odo says, "That's literature for liberals. Um, you know, an average reader won't do, won't take that, especially by someone who, you know, yeah, I do see that Barris hat by the way. Thanks, I appreciate you like that. that. Yeah, because yeah. uh, I'm a car guy." But um, he was Greek know, and all that. Yeah, George, George Vick. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know, and and he had a great line because they're like, you know, he says something about you know we can only wish for that, and he says wishing never did anything. You know, Cisco says that, and everybody's yeah. kind of mad now at the editor because you know they're like, we kind of want this to happen, but not enough to stand up for it, to fight for it. Though, yeah, they they say their piece. But they move forward, and of course, because you want to know why? Because they want to keep their jobs. They, they want to keep their money. jobs, and they're okay with it at the end of the day. So we see at the end of the day, it's the end of this day, and Cisco's heading out, and the wind grabs his piece of paper, and it's going down the street, and somebody steps on it, and all of a sudden, it's two shady-looking guys in fedoras, and it turns out they're police officers, but one is called the cop, and one is Wayne. <laughs> And the they're two, there. Two of the yeah. most shady police officers in the world. <laughs> exactly. You know, Wayne's smoking a cigarette and, you know, uh, Golden Cottage chewing, and they're like, what are you doing down here, boy? It's like, well, I work here. What, are you the janitor? Where'd you get that suit? You know, very racist comments yeah. that you would, you know, of course, be in the 1950s and like, you know, you're not supposed to be in this part of town. They're like, we should run him and check him for priors as he's standing on this picture and he's like, nah, we're going to be uptown in 15 minutes. And like, hey, we're doing you a favor. We... We're giving you off the warning. You understand that, you know. And um, you know, they get off the picture. One guy looks at it. He says, "Hey, get out of here!" And so he takes his picture and goes. But you know, it's a it's a deal where, um, you know, it, it's a it's a kind of a thing where we we once again we're reminded he's a black yeah. man, wrong part of the neighborhood. Why are you wearing a suit? Kind of thing, you know. Um, and it, it's it's. Typical 1950s yeah. behavior, you know, and you and, know what? and that's not in the South. That's happening in the North. Right? That's so in New York City. Every, that's New York City. Yeah, where we're supposedly, we're supposedly everyone's like, oh, you know, there wasn't any racism in the North. Mm -hmm. Bullshit. Yeah, there was racism yeah. everywhere. You yeah, know, that's it. Plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, even even at the end, after he walks away, they cut back to Wayun, and they're like. Oh, black writer and guy working in it because he, he tells him he's a writer. He's like, man, this city's going to hell in a handbasket, you know, yeah. thinking like, you know, because we're letting Negroes have these jobs and everything along those lines. God and, forbid, okay. God yeah. forbid, God, 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 God forbid you allow an African-American person to write, okay? I yeah. mean, that's just, 
yeah. You know, I mean, this just just shows that how far really it shows how far that we've come as a society. You know, where mm -hmm. where we're a lot more accepting of 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 different races and different cultures. I mean, still, I mean, you know, we still have a little bit of work to do, but it's not as bad as it was then. Okay, where you got people saying African American writer. It's like yeah. hell in a handbasket. We, we, we ain't saying that, okay? Jeez. Right. You know, um, I mean, oh, it's a reminder. This actually aired um, February 11th, 1998. So during Black History Month, it just where it fell, it was not intended to be in Black History Month, but the timing of it was just, you know, that good as far as that goes. Um, and uh, it is it is a very powerful episode. Um, we see uh, Benny coming up from the subway and there's a preacher preaching on the street, you know, from the other side of the subway. He walks right by, and it turns out to be the guy who plays his dad. And he starts talking to him directly. He, prays, he says, you know, heed the word of the prophets. And he's like, are you talking to me? And he says, oh, that my words would be written, that they'd be printed in a book. And go to the path of the prophets, Brother Benny. And he's like, how do you know my name? And so we see that, you know, this is you know, Benny gets this idea. All of a sudden, so God, you know, someone, God is speaking to him or this person and um, praise the word of the Lord, follow the path of the prophets and, you know, encourage him to write praise to the word of the prophets. Mm -hmm. So tying it in to where he understands, we see him go home. He's got a piano, uh, which if you don't know anything about Avery Brooks, he loves jazz music and loves playing yes. piano. So he's got this nice little apartment, but he's got a piano in there. He's got everything he needs. And then we see he comes home and he just starts writing. You know, he has this idea and he just gets after it. And mm -hmm. he writes so many things. He sees stuff from other black writers and other things going on. He sees the picture of, D of Deep Space Nine and just gets on a tear and just all night long writes and writes and writes. And we see the first line that he writes. It says, Benjamin Sisko sits looking out at and just goes, you know, mm -hmm. um, calling him captain. Uh, and, and he just, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where when you watch people, you know, when they're inspired, you know, I don't know if you've ever, you know, you've watched real artists when they get inspired and it's just like they get into his own. Yeah. And, and you know, it's pretty incredible to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, so then they cut to him walking to a cafe. Um, obviously they're like Harlem or something in that part of town. Yeah. Um, and he's walking with some boys who are doo-wopping and they get to a cafe, and that's where um, he sees Cassidy, who's working the register and yes. the at the cafe. And he tells her about the story that he's gonna. It's it's the best story he's ever written. And they're gonna buy mm -hmm. it, and then she says, "Hey, the lady who owns this place is gonna retire, and maybe we could take this, and then we can make some money, and we can get married, nice. and you know things like that." And he's like, oh, "I don't want to do that. I'm a writer. This is what I'm designed to do. This is what I'm meant yeah. to be." And she's like, but come on, you've been writing for 15 years. And, you know, even when you were in the Navy and he's like, oh, that's amateur stuff. Once again, tying back in his Starfleet connection in a way. Yeah. Because he's in Starfleet. He's in technically the Navy in a way. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it's very good in that aspect. Uh, um, and she's like, I can't get any younger. And then we see Michael Dorn walk in wearing a really nice suit yeah. and a nice hat. And he's hitting on Cassie. And, you know, mm -hmm. because he's, you know, they call him Willie. So it's, and he plays for the New York Giants. So the implication Willie is Willie Mays. Willie Mays. That is one the one that 
Probably one of the greatest baseball players ever. Oh, yeah. And so the imp- implication is that he's Willie Mays. Michael Dorn is. And so um, he comes in. He's hitting on her, talking about, hey, did you hear the game? I went two for four, da, 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 and, you know, this, and, and just kind of hitting on her right in front of Cisco. And he does a line where she turns him down three times, like, strike three, you're out. <laughs> and he goes, oh, that's all right. I'll get another turn at bat, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And then he goes over to this table. There's, like, four girls. They're all looking at him. He's like, okay. Um, I'm going to go talk to my players, you know. Um, and they mention, once again, how come you're not living uptown? Um, he's like, they can barely stand along the idea of me playing with them. To live next door to them, that's a whole different story. Yeah. Once again, reiterating that fact of, okay, at this time, we'll allow certain things, but not everything. And then uh, Jake comes in, but not playing Jake. He's playing Jimmy, and he's playing like a con guy, you know, stealing yeah. matches and, you know, trying to get in the hustle because he doesn't want to be a – shine guy or anything like that, which is interesting because, you know, Jake's the writer uh, in yeah, real life. He is the, the writer in real life, yeah. Yeah, you know? and, and and he's playing this kind of hustle con man, yeah. um, which was, was good. So the interesting thing is in the original idea of the story, Jake was supposed to be the one who went to the past, um, and he was supposed to experience a vision, go into the 50s, meeting a group of struggling science fiction writers, it, it turns out he never time traveled. It was a trick played by aliens who wanted to find out something about humanity. Yeah. So Iris Stephen Bear didn't like the idea, um, but he didn't completely get rid of it. He liked the mm-hmm. 50s, the science fiction writers, and he and, he, and, and later, several months later, he switched it to from being Jake to his father. And then the writer of this uh, 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 episode was, um, let's see, I got it right here. Mark Scott Z- uh, Zakri, who, you know, I received Bear kind of told it to him, and he's like, okay. You know, and they ran with it, and this is kind of what they were able to come up with. And um, and so they were introducing the theme of racism. Uh, in an initial break of cult- protocol, Bear then pitched the idea to Zakri and asked him to write a story based on it. And he did, and he took his story and outline, and along with Hans Blimler, composed the script. Um, and in, in the original outline, Michael Dorn's character was going to be a boxer, not a baseball player. And he was going to be involved with a white woman, which was discovered by a racist policeman mm-hmm. who subsequently beat him to death. And this was replaced by the shimmy shooting of Jimmy. Sorry, that's a spoiler for later on uh, in the finished episode. And in his version, Armin Zimmerman's character got encouraged by Russell's breakdown, by Benny Russell's breakdown, and went ahead and published his Benjamin Sisko story. So, um, you know, those are the kind of that's kind of the story behind all this. So it's very interesting how things started and how we're seeing they're played out. So the Jimmy character, the guy who played Jake, was supposed to be the main protagonist of the story. But once again, guys got a master's in fine arts and acting and directing. Go with Avery Brooks. Never fails. No, it does not fail. You know, I mean. It wouldn't, it wouldn't fail to go with Avery Brooks on anything. He embodied this whole thing. I mean, just mm-hmm. he carried it. He was the emotional heart of it. He, I mean, and you, I've, so after the diner scene, you see everybody reading his book, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. or his story. And it's, it's, it's interesting because you, they're all just like amazed. They're just passing it down the line one to another, starting with Quark and then Kira and then Bashir and, uh, Miles is reading it, but he's playing kind of the bongos, kind of like, <laughs> you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden we see Jet Zia for the first time, and she's the new secretary for 
of Odo's character, Pabst is what the, what is mm-hmm. is what his last name was. And she's reading it too. And she's kind of she's chewing gum. She's kind of a ditzy. She's like, oh, she's got a worm in her belly. I mean, that's a little gross, but I like it because she's talking about the Jet Z Dex <laughs> character. You know, it's really interesting, but that's disgusting. And you know, and you know, and so it's it's very funny. Um, and this is the point where we find out Kalmini's character. Um, he 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 doesn't have the greatest with words as far as speaking, because mm-hmm. um, he's like ah you um uh uh you know he like stutters it's like you know uh and uh, we find out that you know he's a safe writer because he likes robots you know because yeah. they're like you know um, because what happens is they read the story and it's amazing everybody loves it and it's Deep Space well, yeah. Nine I mean it's Deep Space Nine of course it's an amazing story. yeah and so they're just like oh my god this is so amazing and so um. And they talk about Deep Space Nine is a very intriguing title, and they're just loving it. But of course, the editor comes in and we can't publish this story because he's your character, the protagonist, is a black man. You know, that's, um, that's yeah. But here's the thing: we're seeing things bleed in because when Kira, you know, the person who plays Kira, she's like, you know, I like this. I like this major character. She's a tough cookie. But we see <laughs> her flip back to Major Kira. Yeah. Saying that about herself, and you know, Benny takes his glass off, it's kind of like double taking, but then she's back to who she was, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. And um, so we're seeing a little bit of the bleed in of yeah. okay, what's becoming reality at this point, um, you know. And so, um, they're talking about how great it is how strong women, you know, things selling the Cardassians. I like the way you describe them with the next word just from Martog, and he's like, I'm gonna do some sketches and make a nice cover. People are like, this is a cover story. This is amazing. They're like, don't waste your time, you know. Um, and and and, our, and Cork is like, you're not you're not going to do it. It's just, don't you like the story? And so I like it. It's very good. But you know, I can't print it because your protagonist is a you know a captain. He's a Negro captain, you know, on a space station, head of a spaceship, for Christ's sake, you know. And and it's just like, you know, people won't believe it. It's not acceptable. Cork <laughs> goes, men are from Mars are, you know, like exactly. You know, we're yeah. writing science fiction here, but. You know, he says you can you can make it white or you can not publish it kind of thing. And so we see Benny is at a crossroads of what does he do with this story? This story is a meaningful story. It's everybody knows it's good. Yeah. And, and 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 Odo's like, oh, it'll cause a race riot. And Cork is like, congratulations, it's the most imbecilic attempt to rationalize personal callous that I've ever heard in my entire life. You know, and it's just like, you know, we this is where like Renee Abrajanis and Armin Zimmerman and their their relationship and how they work. And he calls uh, Odo calls um, Quark uh, like a, a communist, mm-hmm. you know. And like you see him getting ready to punch him in the face. I mean, it was we see that Quark Odo relationship and how they were able to pull yeah. that off. Because this this is season six, so they've spent so much time together. They know how each other work and react. And you know, mm-hmm. talks about Albert. Well, yeah, he likes robots. Um, and Armin and Quark goes. Well, guess because he is a robot. He's like, no, <laughs> I, I'm just, I like them. They're, they're efficient. You know, yeah, robots are efficient. They are efficient. You know, so well you know, it, it's, it, and so he says he gives him another picture. He says, write me a novella. I'll print it next month. And you, you do a good job. You might even get the story. Um, he gives him an out. He says, look, here's another way to go write. We want you to publish. You're a good writer. Publish this story. He says, what about my story? He says, no. You know, you're going to have to put it, you can burn it or put it in your drawer for 50 years or whatever. The world becomes colorblind, you know, because 
you know, that's that's what you're going to have to do. There's no other way to do it. And everybody kind of looks at them like they're sad, but they know that there's nothing else they can do. And so he has to sit there and kind of sit on it. And, uh, you know, we see him go back to the diner and he's upset because they didn't buy a story. Mm-hmm. And he's struggling with what he's supposed to do. And Jimmy is there making fun of him. Like, oh, color captain, I told you. I told you that the only reason why the list in space is to sign shine shoes, you know, kind of thing. And he foreshadows that he has got something big going on. He yeah. doesn't tell what it is. And so, you know, his you know, Cassidy's like, hey, what about running for a Negro paper or, you know, these things? He's like, I'm, a, I'm not a reporter. I'm a writer. Um, and then we see this is so we take I take I do take that back. At one point, um, you know, as they're talking, um, the guy who plays Willie Mays, Michael Dorn, comes in and puts his hand on him. But he's got the Klingon glove, and he's in a Klingon outfit, and he's at, he's comes in as 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 Worf in a Klingon mm-hmm. outfit, and of course Benny freaks out and falls yeah. down, and then it's you know goes back to being Willie, you yeah. know, and he's like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I mean, and he's like, what happens? And so he's confused. He <laughs> thinks he sees that character. Yeah. He you know they say you look sick. Are you okay? And he's like, no, I'm fine. I'm just gonna get some air. I'm gonna head out and. You know, she's like, are we still on for tonight? I'll pick you up at 10. And Michael Dorn goes, hey, what do you do before 10? She says, nothing with you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah. He keeps shooting his shot and she keeps just like, nope, nope, not nope. happening. Nope. You know? Yeah. And so um, once again, we're see Benny's walking at night. The preacher shows up again and uh, his dad and tells him, you know, he gives him another prophecy to follow the path of the prophets. We're seeing the more the more connection to Deep Space Nine and the real, as we're calling it, where you know, as Cisco, because he is more direct about the path of the prophets. You know, yeah. write the words, do the things you need to. So then he runs home and he just starts writing again. You know, he writes so much that um, you know, Cassidy comes over and he is asleep and she turns on the radio and it's midnight and, and she's like, Hey, you fell asleep. It's like, I'm so sorry. I was just writing. He wrote six more stories about Cisco, even though the first one didn't get published. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's interesting because he goes in the work the next day. Um, but oh, before that, he starts having, you know, he's dancing and he, but he's dancing in Deep Space Nine. And then yeah. all of a sudden he kind of stumbles and he's back in the apartment. And, you know, so we're seeing reality. What's he's struggling with what's real and what's fiction anymore. You know, we're seeing, like he says, you know, I feel like I'm losing my mind. I'm seeing my characters. And he tells her because, you know, she's okay with him. And she's like, okay, just take it easy. We're cool. You know, everything's good. And then, you know, they go to commercial, come back with a 1950s scene. We don't see Star We don't see any kind of space or anything. Um, and so we come back to the office. He's like, and, um, Odo's like, I gave you a novella. You can maybe even get the cover and you rewrite six sequels to a story that I can't even print in the first place. And so we, what's going on? You are certifiable. And Bashir says, Hey, you should print your own stories through a private publishing house, a nice elegant volume, 50 to hundred copies. And, and Odo's like, it's a great idea. Might as well write it on sidewalk chalk. More people will read it that way. <laughs> um, you know, and then Colmini comes up with the idea. Why don't you make it a dream? You know, and they're like, oh, okay, well, what do you mean? And it's like, well, when you end it, that it's a dream of some sort. 
And they're like, who would be dreaming? Um, a convict or someone under, you know, you know, whatever. And so they think maybe they can sell it that way. You know, okay. they, yeah. they're like, and so what happens is they, they take that and they, all of them kind of help build on this idea. They build on all these things. Odo is even like, yeah, yeah, maybe that could work kind of thing. And so we find out as they do all this, um, they ask him his question and like, what do you think? How do you want to do it? Well, if it gets my story published, that's one thing. Um, and so if we find out that they bought his story and they bought it for three cents a word and, you know, they're really excited. So he's like, I'm making some money, um, you know, and so he's he's making a way to go see Cassie. Willie's in there hitting on him again. It's like, hey, I sold my story. Three cents a word. Three cents a word. You know, they're excited. They're going out dancing. Get your red dress on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, and so they are just super excited over the moon because, you know, it seems like things are turning around. Yeah. You know, it seems like, hey, this is everything. So we see they're out at a jazz club. They're out in the streets, um, you know, dancing and having a good time, just putting the night out, you know. And so it was uh, a really good thing. And so then we see his dad show up again and it says, but brother Benny it's the only beginning of your journey, you know? And it says, uh, not the ending, the path of the prophets sometimes leads to darkness and pain and they walk arm in arm, you know, like it's like pain, like darkness and hope or something in hope walk arm in arm. You know, yeah. I speak with the voice of the prophets. Um, and it's like good and bad. And he, he grabs him by the ear, like Bajoran, um, you know, people would do and you know oh hope and despair walk arm and arm and you know he touches his ear and like the Jorns do and so then all of a sudden we hear some gunshots and it's the two racist police officers from earlier when Yoon and, and Gold mm-hmm. and they've shot Jimmy um, and they said well he was trying to break into a car and then he had a weapon and they're just kind of standing there and they're like you know, Cisco tries to jump in there, or Benny tries to jump in there, and why was he trying to break into a car? And they just proceed to beat the shit out of him. Yeah, they beat the fuck yeah. out of him. They, like, almost killed him. He's he's trying to, you know, all of a sudden, like, he's trying to fight back, but they just beat him, you know, like, everybody's holding Cassidy back. He's like, stop it, stop it. They're going to kill him. They're going to kill him. And we find out that he is just getting hammered and nobody's doing anything but we see you know golden cot and wayun at times are popping in and out as they're beating him you know it's it's kind of one of these things of like once again where's reality where is it coming yeah. from where what's what's thing and so then we find out um he's been in an apartment for a couple of weeks recovering and it, but it's also um publishing day for the magazine so he's gonna make his way down to the office to be there for publishing day because they, his stories, his story's been sold. He's going to go down there and he's going to see it in print in person before anybody else. So that's kind of his goal. So he's getting up, he's making his way down, but he's walking with a cane and he is, you know, walking with an obvious limp and he's got, his hands are still bandaged. He makes it into the office and everybody's kind of like, Oh, Hey. And they're like, Hey, Benny, long time. No, see been weeks. And so, but they're all kind of glad to see him. They're all concerned. And they, yeah. you know, like, we heard you got beat, but, you know, once again, they never reached out to him. They never, you know, they never did anything. But at the same time, you could see that they care for him, but they didn't 
like find you know go hey where are you you know this is they the first go, thing they didn't go the extra mile to make sure that he was okay right right and which which leads up to that so we find out Colmini sold a book about robots he sold a novel um, and then uh, Odo's character walks in and uh, where's the magazine and he's like oh there's no magazine um, not this month anyway um, and it said Mr. Stone had the entire run pulped which in magazine production terms mean he scrapped it. They're not, they're not going to do it at all. They're going to basically recycle it. And it says basically because it didn't live up to our usual high standards. And we find out through this um, that he didn't like it. And it was because of Benny's story, you know, because of Captain Cisco, And, and, you know, that is what happened. And we see at this moment, and this is, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Yeah, Every this time is a I watch this, moment. Yeah. It's he's just like, what is it? He's like, hey, this magazine box for stone. We don't publish. We don't publish in the story. It doesn't make it right, and you know it. And he says, don't tell me what I know. Um, it's not about being right. It's about what is. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I mean, and so we see that Odo's struggling with this because, um, you know, he's like, I know what's right, but I have to do what is. There's we can't change the world with what's going on. And then he tells him that he's fired after that. Um, you know, and so, uh, and then this is where Cisco or, or Benny and, um, you know, that Mr. Stone is firing him and he's like, you can't fire me. I quit. And this, this whole last like minute or so scene or whatever is just so powerful. Like when he's just, he's like, you can't take this from me. This idea I created them. They're real. They're real. You know, Cisco is real. I know what it is. You know, they're trying to tell him to stay calm. He says, uh, calm never got me a damn thing. You know, and I was like, I'm warning you, but you call the police. Go ahead, call them. You know, you can't do anything to me. I've got this idea. I know who who they are. I know what's real. I know they're real. They exist in my mind. Yeah. And this this whole scene, man, it just, I mean, I'm, I'm not, a, it gets me, I cry every time because it is so powerful to know that they're probably, hundreds of thousands of people who've been through the same exact scenario and in all of our time, even now there are people probably going through this scenario because of who they are, what they are. Yeah. You know, and they are just having to deal with this kind of thing. And we're, and we're seeing that through here, but that also brings up the real idea of, you know, he collapses because of this. Um, they take him the, their, the idea is he's getting into an ambulance for a sanitarium you know, to take him to the kind of the nut house, you know, because he's mentally broken. He's in the van and he's driving, and then his dad shows up again. He says, Rest easy. You've walked the path of the prophets. We see that he puts his glasses on, but he's in a back into his Starfleet uniform. And he's like, Who am I? And he's like, Don't you know? And he's like, Tell me. He's like, You are the dreamer and the dream. You know, <laughs> you know, so it's like, so you're Captain Cisco, but you're also the dream or are you Benny and Captain Cisco the dream and so they cut to we see a scene where he's looking out the ambulance and it's like a ship in warp and then the next thing we know he's waking up in sick bay and everything is back to normal mm-hmm. not like you know you know so um the the levels that Dr. Bashir talked about went down said he was only down for a few minutes but you know we know that it's at least weeks maybe a yeah. month or so yeah. that he spent in that timeline yeah. And it's only for a few minutes. And uh, he said it seemed like forever to me. His dad did. And Bashir's like, I don't I don't know. Your nerve patterns are returned to normal. 
And, you know, it's, it's very interesting because at the end we see his, he's talking to his dad and his dad's getting ready to leave saying, I wish I could stay longer. And, and he says, like, I can get back to the restaurant. My customers have never been this long without me kind of thing, <laughs> which sounds familiar. So somebody yeah. in the, somebody on this podcast would say that sometime. Yeah. Um, I was going to say the, uh, the whole thing about him being down for four minutes and living like that two week piece there, two, two week, like, Two weeks like in the 50s reminds me of the inner light with Picard, where yeah, he was out for five minutes, but he lived like an entire lifetime. Like yeah, yeah, you know, and that's that's a thing we see a lot Dude, in science they, fiction. They, they do such a great job with that. Start yeah, great job with that. Yeah, and so you know, it's interesting. He says, um, you know, the, it sounds like the 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 vision helped you kind of sort things out. Yeah, I'm gonna stay here and do it. Is uh, and if I fail, was what Cisco says, and then his dad said. I fought the good fight. I have finished the course, um, and um, I've kept the faith. And Cisco looks at him. He's like, "I never known you to quote the Bible." And he goes, "I'm full of surprises, aren't I?" <laughs> you know, which he's been. A, he was a preacher in the vision, and kind of. Yeah. And he says, "And so are you," you know, kind of thing. Um, and so then Cisco ends ends the episode by saying, "I, you know, about how it helped him." He says, "I suppose again, but I've begun to wonder, you know." What if it wasn't a dream? What if the life that we are leading, all of this, what if you and me, everything is all the illusion? You know, what if, what if we're the dream? You know, and you know, when that deep existential thought, you know, his dad's like, that's a scary thought. And he goes, I know, I know, you know, but maybe just maybe, you know, that is, many isn't the dream. We are. And, um, we're nothing more than figments of his imagination. We are, yeah. you know, we are the reality, you know, we are his dream. And so it cuts to, you know, they cuts to him. He walks over to the window. It says somewhere far beyond those distant stars, the name of the episode, mm-hmm. Benny Russell, um, <laughs> Benny Russell is thinking of us and they mm-hmm. cut to him looking out the window and his reflection is Benny Russell looking back at him. You know, which was a really powerful. powerful way to end it. Just so unique and cool. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, this is what I love about Deep Space Nine. They weren't afraid to tackle big issues. No. They they gave them the they had the time to explore these characters, develop these characters. Um, and people are like, oh, they're on a space station. I'm like, dude, yeah, they had to build characters, and that's what <laughs> made it great. And they exactly. the inter- the interaction between them. You don't have that. Odo Quark interaction as these other characters without them being there six years and working yeah. together and knowing how they're going to work and developing those characters. Mm-hmm. You don't have the the aspects of this. You don't have the ability to go, hey, we're going to talk about racism in this, you know, which by the way, this episode was directed by Avery Brooks, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, you know, it is, it is, it says, uh, it is his, uh, by himself, it is his favorite episode. Um, of uh, and so he says, I have to say, it was the most important moment for me in my entire seven years when he talked about it. Um, he appreciated the episode so much that when he was asked to his feeling about it, he smiled and said, It should have been a two parter. So, um, that's how much he felt about it, you know. It was a great episode, it really was. Everybody else, you know, you know, Renee Aubergenis, um, may he rest in peace. Uh, he commented, brilliant episode, one of the best of the whole series, and Avery did a fan- fabulous job of directing it. Michael Dorn said, it was wonderfully shot. Penny Johnson, mm-hmm. who played Cassidy, was, this was beautifully handled and beautifully shot, but still, 
in the heart. It got me. You know, J.G. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hertzler coming in. I thought Far Beyond the Stars was one was one you could have built an entire series from. You know, oh, yeah. Of of Avery Brooks's performance, Jeffrey Combs coming. Avery was spectacular. There was a scene towards the end where he falls apart, and the camera right in front of his nose. It was just riveting. You know, so. Um, Armin Zimmerman said, without a question, my favorite episode is the perfect science fiction. Uh, you know, and said he thought about how the installment serves as a reminder of prejudice, especially racism. And he said, this is what the episode does terrifically well. You know, um, you know, it is, it's not a quirk episode. It's perfect science fiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, they guys, there's so much of memory alpha about this episode, you know? Um, yeah, he, he, Avery Brooks loved, he was pleased to direct this because he loved the 50s. He loved that era and mm-hmm. the fact that he's writing science fiction. Um, you know, and it's, and it said, Avery spent a lot uh, with Michael Dorn stated, Avery spent a lot of time and effort to make it look like the 50s um, with everybody going on. He, he spent a ton of time with the film and, and the everything about it. It was just, it's a really great thing. If you want to read all about this, there's so much here on Memory Alpha yeah. about the episode yeah. and, and the impact it made on people and how it works. I mean, it's just so good. It really is. Um, I, guys, I can't, I mean, I know I talked about in the pale moonlight being one of my favorites, um, which was an amazing episode in its episode, yeah. you know, really it is, but man, this one is like, I think honestly, if you look and think about it, this is like one, a one, a and one, either one takes the top spot every, yeah. you know, I can't pick one. They're so good, you know, yeah. And, and and once again, this once again goes back to the fact that you had a writer te- a writing team that stuck together, that knew what they they knew the characters, they knew where they were going, they knew what they wanted to do. Those are the kind of things that you can't get when your writing team moves around. Yeah, you know? and that's that's the important part is you have writers who know the characters, who know the subject, and are able to get what they need to. So. You know, great episode for me. I give it an A plus plus plus. You know, um, you know, but that's just me. You yeah. know, um, I, I did a lot of talking. So Triple D, tell me what you thought when you when we went back over this episode. What you what you get out of this? It's exactly, John. You couldn't have summed it up better. Really, I mean, well done. I mean, this this episode just evokes so much feeling, so much passion in people to see what was going on in the fifties and to see how somebody could create a character yet not get published because that character, because the color of his skin, basically saying that African-Americans at that time weren't smart enough or weren't good enough to be um, captains of a spaceship or even captains of a spaceship or heck, or even, or even like, what would the police officer say for to, to be writers or to, to do anything? I mean, it's just, it it definitely showed an ugly light mm-hmm. on America in in the fifties and everywhere, you know. So, right. Also, too, showed too, you know, how far how far society became because then you look at Deep Space Nine where we have an African American, you know, captain, Captain Cisco, and we have uh, a female who is his number one, you know, in 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 Kira Norris. And if you look, all look throughout Star Trek, Star Trek has always pushed the envelope when it came to that. Having the first female captain in, in, in Janeway to star in sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And, back, and even back in Star Trek IV, where 
It was just a snippet, though, but the captain of the USS Saratoga, when the whale device was coming through, she was an African-American female captain. Mm -hmm. So Star Trek has always been on the forefront of that to basically show that it doesn't matter what your the color of your skin, your race, or whatever. If you are smart enough and you're good enough, guess what? The chair is yours. Yeah. And that's it. And that's what I took from that episode that it doesn't matter, you know, what it is. If you are good enough and you, you can do it, then there's nothing should stop you. You, you shouldn't be discriminated on your skin or, or anything. Right. You, you have earned that. Mm -hmm. so. And that's, that's one thing I think that um, Star Trek does really, really well. You oh, know, yeah. um, like you said, that's always been the case. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always been the thing that has, um, you know, been the forefront of Star Trek is being able to stand up for other people and make those things known and be able to say, you know, hey, this is what's going on here. You yeah. know, this is this is uh, this is the thing that, you know, we want to stand for. And they do a good job of doing it, too. They don't do yeah. it in a way that makes you feel bad or makes you feel, you know, whatever, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's done in a way that is tells the story, but lets that stand on its own by making yeah. you look at it. You know, even the back in the original episode, I know we were rushing over this before where you have the guy, one guy is white on the right side, while the other one is white on the left side, you know, yeah. talking about racism that way. Um, yeah. You know, and that. Well, and, oh, and then I got to say about the trails. How they had the first female female kiss, yet Jadzia was, you know, the male trail and the other was the female trail. Right. So you had kind of the whole thing of the whole transgender thing with the trails, yet they never really hammered it in your face. Right. You know, it always kind of implied like that. So. Right. Well, and it's very funny because in, in Discovery with season yeah. three, we saw that when they go to Trill and they're like, oh, you're not Trill. You know, you know, we, we yeah. see that kind of, um, you know, that we see that kind of uh, thing that happens where discrimination, yeah. still discrimination there in the still future. Discrimination in the future. Yeah. Well, you're not Trill. So we're going to just take that from you and you're human and, you know, kind of thing. Uh, you don't deserve that. Um, even, you know. In the in, in the 32nd century, there's still that trace of of I guess racism and and undeservedness yeah. because you're not you don't meet a standard per se. Um, you know it, it's it's interesting because that's a uh, you know I don't want to say it's it's a part of who we are as humanity, but it's an underlying thing. You know, even to this day, have things improved? Yes. But oh, tremendously, tremendously. But at the same time, does it still exist? Yes, because there are pieces of crap. Who are yeah, out there saying, exactly. you know, you know that you know whites only kind of thing, and I'm like, okay, well then, you know, enjoy life sucking for you yeah. because that's not what it is at all. I want to be, I want to be a part of that club. They don't like the Greeks, so, yeah. <laughs> so I want to be a part of that club. They'll be like, yeah, well, no, you're out. Yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, no. uh, I mean, uh, and uh, it's just one of those things where. You know, um, uh, it's it's 
it's it's sad because you know as much as the progress we make, there's always a part of that that's going to be there. Um, yeah. And that small sense of us, we even see that in Deep Space Nine. We see that in Next Generation. That there's still a struggle. You know, I mean, that's the whole. Essentially, if you want to really look at it, that you know, the Next Generation was a dream per se because it starts and ends with that humanity is savage. You yeah. know, um, and that they're on trial, and so for seven years they've been on trial for Q, with Q, um, and and looking at that, and and so if you step back and really look at what what Next Generation was was. It's a, it's a, it's a point of view of this is how humanity is in this time period. Yeah, and and is it for is it making that uh, argument for or against that humanity has evolved? You know, and if you really step back and look at those seven seasons, mm-hmm. you go, hmm, okay, yeah, which is yeah, which is interesting. You know, because <laughs> it's me watching this to kind of correlate to that that it's the same idea. You know, yeah. humanity is savage. Well. Let's take a step back and look at this seven years of next generation. What does it show? You know, um, humanity, I think if anything, it shows that humanity is fallible yes. more than anything else. You know, and that's we are. We're all human. We all make mistakes. We're all fallible. We're but, not, I said before, we're not the creator. Only he is perfect. Exactly. And you know, it's like my dad says, you know, sometimes, you know, I struggle with like, oh, I didn't do this right or whatever. He goes, Hey John, there was only one person in the world who was perfect, and they killed him. So yeah, they did. you know, yeah, yeah. So, they did. so as like, as as Bilks as Big Cell said, they went to the Home Depot. They got the two by fours and the nails. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, so man. hey guys, I hope y'all like this episode. I love Deep Space Nine. If you if you never really explored Deep Space Nine, go explore it. Go spend some yes. time with it. Just really watch. It's seven seasons of just good stuff. Look at it from the standpoint of the character building and the things that happen from start to finish. Mm -hmm. You see Cisco just grow. I mean, you're you're watching Avery Brooks, who is a master now. He can basically call himself a master uh, of acting and directing uh, from that Rutgers University um, award that he got for being that. Um, you watch him grow as a character. You see the soul he brings into that um, character. Uh, that's why he's my personal favorite, you know, um, because of who he is and what he brings to that role and, you know, uh, just the humanity that he has. I think it's just a, it's a, it's a master on acting. And then the other characters involved, you know, they all just work so well together, man. It, it's it's that's why it's the best series. It, it yeah. really is. They tell such deep, meaningful stories. You know, um, in the pale moonlight. This one, um, the one where he once again, I, I never remember the one where he's chasing um, Eddington and he uses the yes. cobalt devices. You know, I mean, you, I mean, you see all this stuff that, and it's just like, man, you know, this is a whole big deal. You know, this is important, and so. You know, go check these out, man. You're going to find some deep emotional stories, yeah, and you're going to connect fine. with these guys. So just, just really do it. Just remember, in seasons one and two, the less hair Cisco has, the the more he, be, the better he becomes. I will say, I will say this: seasons one and two, it it does, it is a little boring. Season one and two, but guys, yeah. just like just just like a next generation, give it time to percolate. Yeah, then once exactly. Season, then once season three rolls around, then guess what? We're off to the races. Right. So, but you needed seasons one and two to build the characters and who they are. Yeah. And then when you hit season three and what this starts to happen there, then it's, it becomes even. You're off to the races, off. baby. 
it takes off. So, you so know. well, I will say this though, John. Man, mm-hmm. we have given the fans a lot of our time today. Yeah, and we gotta we gotta give our plugs and our shout outs because guess what? Uh am I right that you have a date tonight, my friend? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, you know, got somebody can go see. Good, I, I, John, I am so happy for you, John. Yeah, seriously, it's like I'm so happy for you. So let me. Uh, where can all the Deep Space Nine fanatics find you, my friend? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter as jreezymen. Um, you can hit me up there. Uh, you can find me on TikTok as Jay Reezy as well. TikTok. Yeah, I'm on TikTok too. Mostly to troll my kid, but there you a little go. fun and positivity yeah. as well. Um, let's see. You can also find me on Facebook, John Enright. Uh, if you can find me. Uh, sometimes I keep that one pretty locked down. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, uh, you know, if you find me, and I'll, I'll friend request you, um, if you if you want. Uh, and you can reach me that way. Once again, uh, if you want to start Star Trek or anything Trek, hit me on any of those. Um, or if you want to talk mental health, if you if you're struggling with some things or you need to talk, um, you can hit me up there. Or you can hit me up on my work email, John at freedomhousepc.org. We can figure out. I can listen to you, hear your story, whatever it is you need. You just need someone to talk to. I'd be glad to do so. If not. Maybe I can help you find resources to help with you, the needs that you have. So, guys, please begin to um, take your mental health seriously. We know it's important. We know it's a pandemic uh, out here. But we also know that it's an emergency with our mental health. Um, Find those things that you need to do to practice self-care and to get your mental health in a better shape. Um, Because I care for you and I want you to continue to watch Star Trek and and make it as great as can be by having great fans like we know you guys are. So, Get some help, whatever that is, or if I can help you in any way, let's do that. Let's connect and uh, make sure you're doing that uh, as well because we want you to be around for a while. Uh, And we want to hear from you, and we want to hear what you have to say about Star Trek. And so Triple D is going to tell you how you can get a hold of us so that we can talk Star Trek with you and we can hear your voice because, hey, I like talking to Triple D, but sometimes I want to talk about what other somebody has to say. You know, So you know, we have email, we have all kinds of stuff and he's gonna tell we us got it so guys listen listen okay you you freaking star trek marks you can email <laughs> us academy hmg at yahoo.com that is our email please send us an email ask us what you like about star trek what you want us to talk about because usually most of the time it's like it gets later on in the week and i'm like john what do you want to talk about john and john's like <laughs> Fuck, I don't know, man. So, I just, so we just throw something. And usually and usually, whatever we come up with is brilliant anyways. But, guys, do you guys have a favorite episode? you guys have a favorite movie, a favorite actor? Maybe something we can do a deep dive into. Let us know. Email us there. If you don't want to email because you think that email is evil or something as part of the Illuminati or something like that, you can find us on Facebook, Academy, HMG. And you can send us a message to there through Messenger or post or something. Hey, guys, you know. Can you guys talk about this? And we'll gladly do it. And if you think Facebook is evil, then you can. We have a Twitter, Academy HMG on Twitter. You can go there. And if you think Twitter is evil, I don't know. I don't know. Well, then you can follow us on Discord. We have Academy HMG on Discord. So you, that's yep. the most unevil thing in the world, guys. So follow us there. Come, come check us out there. Also, too, guys, if you 
don't want to use any of the Academy HMG stuff and you want to connect with me personally, you can find me, Demetrius Erdos, at Facebook, uh, Demetrius Erdos, Greek Easy 25 on Twitter, Demetrius9778 on Instagram. Uh, I am I mostly on Facebook a lot, guys. So if you guys send me a friend request on Facebook, I will probably accept it. I have got a lot of requests from bots, and I'm like, yeah, no. Uh, also, too, guys, I also uh, have Dippin' Donuts, uh, Dippin' Donuts, which is the greatest donut shop in central New York. It's DippinDonutsCNY.com, which has taken a lot of my life this, this this past week, unfortunately. But, hey, you know, it is what it is. So, guys, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, for the best donut porn and food porn in the world. Uh, ben Hameen runs the social medias for Dippin' Donuts. So, obviously, you know it is the greatest yalla. Also, to ZerdosOliveOil.com for the best artisanal olive oil in the world. Guys, that is straight from the Zerdos Olive Oil Groves in Greece, which I visited. It is amazing. And I was scared shitless over there walking the groves because when my dad's from in southern Greece, it's very hot, it's very dry. And there's a lot of poisonous snakes there. So I would make sure I didn't want to come across one because snakes scare the shit out of me. So guys, but I assure you there are no snakes in this olive oil. It is pure olive oil. It is the best olive oil. We had it rated by a big olive oil company here in Rome. It came back as the best. So guys, order at zertosoliveoil.com. Olive oil, it will be sent out to you as soon as possible in free shipping. And that's it for me, brother. So Wow. Yeah, yeah, my God, thank you. Thank you're like you. you're professional. Holy uh, cow. We are professional. We are professional grade well, here. You know. Uh... So, <laughs> so to close it off, guys, come back two weeks from now. We'll, do, we'll be doing more Star Trek because what's better than more Star Trek? More, Star more Trek. fucking Star Trek. That's what's better than, than Star Trek. Woo! Yes. So, guys, as in the mortal words of Leonard Nimoy, live long and prosper. And we'll see you in two weeks.